This podcast is brought to you by Danny Antman, the author of a new book entitled Wired for God, Adventures of a Jewish Yogi. Please listen to podcast number 655 with Danny Antman and Greg as they discuss her new book, Wired for God, about her personal spiritual journey and awakening. Danny tells a very compelling story for the reader about being Jewish by birth, but having the yearning to learn more about yogic science, kundalini science, and the Kabbalah, from her birthplace in New York to her encounters with a channeler to her travels in India. Learn more about the science of the kundalini and how the process will transform the reader's desire to want to learn more about their own spirituality. I hope you enjoy podcast number 655 with author Danny Antman. If you want to learn more, please visit the book website at www.wiredforgod.com. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voison, the host of Inside Personal Growth. And uh, Jenny, as I do all the time, I tell the listeners that I'm so grateful. Here we are coming on Thanksgiving season. And I have to admit, almost 11 years, or maybe it is 11 years of doing this program, um, seems like it's flown by. And I want to thank all of them. And I want to thank everybody out there. I want to make sure that they have or have had a happy Thanksgiving and and have something to be grateful for. Um, And today, joining us from Hawaii is Jenny Lee. Uh, Jenny is the author of a new book called Breathing Love, Meditation in Action. Good day to you, Jenny. Hi, Greg. So glad to be here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. Jenny and I were talking prior to coming on the show, and we have lots of mutual connections. And we both went to University of Santa Monica together not at the same time, but we were both students there. So we have a lot in common. Um, uh, The book that we're going to be talking about today for my listeners is called Breathing Love, Meditation in Action. And Jenny, I'm going to let the listeners know just a tad bit about you and who you are and your credentials. Um, Jenny's a certified yoga therapist who spent two decades coaching people in the healing tradition of classical yoga meditation. Using the practices she writes about in Breathing Love, Jenny helps people overcome grief, depression, anxiety, and stress, as well as create lives filled with greater joy. She's also the author of an award-winning book called True Yoga. Jenny's writing has also been featured on dozens of wellness blogs and in magazines, including the Huffington Post, Mind Body, Green Yoga Digest, and Yogi Times. She counsels via phone or Skype internationally and from her home studio in the island of Oahu. Uh, Visit her at www.jennyleeyogatherapy.com and that's J-E-N-N-I-E, Lee, L-E-E, yoga, Y-O-G-A, therapy.com. Well, Jenny, thanks for taking the time to be on the show. And a fascinating so happy to be book. here. Yeah, it you know, it is a fascinating book. And I think as someone who's been walking this path like yourself for quite a long period of time, you know, you've studied many of the ancient religions and traditions, and you mentioned that there's one common theme, and that is love. Obviously, your book's about breathing love. It's about mindfulness and meditation practices and love. You mentioned that love heals, unites, and evolves us as human beings. If there was one thing that you'd tell the listeners about 
allowing more love in their life, what would that be? What would you tell them to do? Well, it's interesting that you use the word allowing because really it it is about allowing the love that is within us to bubble up from within. And that's why I feel that meditation is such an essential practice um, for that to happen. You know, people, one of the biggest misconceptions about love is that it's something that they need to go out and acquire from someone or something else. And it's sort of perceived as, as something outside of us. Yes, of course, we have the feelings of love that arise for certain people or certain things, but but really, in my understanding, love is the essence of our being. It is the, the very energy of who we are. And so as we allow ourselves through the stillness of meditation to tap into that, to feel that at a deeper level than just the emotional level that we, we typically do on the outside for people, places, and things, um, it, it, it adds a quality of depth to our uh, how we see the world, how we see ourselves, that's very different. And it, it, I would say that it is. And as you said, meditation is one of those ways to get in touch with that. Now, you see throughout the book, Jenny, lots of great stories. And I think you tell one. I just, uh, two year, almost three years ago now, my 93-year-old mother passed away. And you tell a great story about your 83-year-old mother while she was in a nursing home. She stated to you that she might as well just die because she had no purpose. Um, Can you tell our listeners what happened and when you reminded her of her passion, I'm sure of her purpose, um, what Mm -hmm. actually welled up with inside of her? Mm, Yeah. Um, You know, purpose is really important for all of us to feel. And I included this story about my mom because I think it is something that everyone can relate to in the sense that the way I answered her question when my mom said, I might as well die, I don't have any purpose. You know, she was fairly physically incapacitated at that time and um, couldn't do her normal activities, couldn't interact with um, her social circles the way that she used to. And I just said, mom, your purpose is to love, to love everyone around you in whatever way makes sense to you in this moment. And, you know, this is really all of our purposes. This is the purpose why we're all here. And it doesn't matter what our capacities, physical capacities or mental capacities are, that is within us in terms of purpose. But what happened was, So she took that in and she reflected on it, I think. My mom was always a very spiritually reflective person. And um, the next time I came, I saw her interacting with um, a nursing aide who was there. And there was a a beautiful synergy between them. The the woman didn't speak much English. She was from another country. And um, but there was this this kindness and, and love flowing between them and just how the woman touched my mom and how my mom touched her back. And um, the, what was really interesting about it was that the, the woman had dark skin. And for my mom, that had always been a barrier to her capacity to, to see a person and to love them. She had embodied prejudice her whole life. And 
that had just dropped away when she really started to see through eyes of love. Um, she just connected and it was so beautiful to see the friendship that developed when she was able to it, take on that new purpose that we talked about. Well, you know, it is interesting when people make that, I want to say crossover sometimes, they have to let go of a lot. And you talk about this in the book, you state to align ourselves with love, we need to purge ourselves from pain, pride and fear. And, and you know, for your mom, just looking at that story, it could have been just even the fear, you know, you, you start to have a perception of your world based upon the things that are told to you. And back then, somebody for 83 years old, you know, there were a lot of prejudices, obviously, and those carry forward. So can you give our listeners some idea as to what they might want to do so that they can purge themselves of these emotions that are preventing them from, you know, actually taking a deep dive into not only loving themselves, but loving the people around them? Well, I think that's really the key. You just said it, which is um, to first love yourself. And so when we are holding a lot of pain, pride, fear, these, these emotional qualities that feel constrictive, we're, we're not really inside the love of self first. And although it can sort of seem like someone is loving themselves more than others, it, it Really, people who are deeply loving, um, they don't don't embody those qualities. So um, it's firstly having compassion for ourselves, for the experiences that we've gone through. You know, some people are dealt a really difficult deck of cards in human life, and they've experienced a lot of trauma, abuse, and maybe violence, some really difficult, difficult experiences. And so the pain can run very deep and it can feel like a big block to love. And so the first thing I would say is to have real compassion for oneself and the experiences that we have gone through. And from that basis, then when we can start to be kinder and gentler with ourselves and hold ourselves in a container of love, then we can start to widen that circle and uh, bring other people into it a little more easily. Most definitely. I think uh, self-compassion, as we learned at USM, was one of the fundamentals. uh, And the other one was that we're 100% responsible for all of our own actions. And I think those are a couple of things Uh, The other one was, you don't have to believe everything you think. I always remember those. Those are just great little axioms. So uh, in chapter one of the book, you you mentioned that love is packaged in luring ways to trigger our hardwired longing for fulfillment. You say that it's quite easy to find ourselves caught in the trap that we can love where we want to completely, but to find it possible to attain. Can you talk about this trap and how people would get out of that trap? Hmm, Sure. Well, the trap really is that, again, that love is somehow something on the outside that we have to attain. So whether that is through the fulfillment of a physical desire or a particular acquisition or achieving a look or getting a certain relationship or position, 
that it's it's that perception that love is something that we don't now have and so really the way out is just through the recognition the realization um, the acceptance of the truth that love is within it's a completely inside job it's a completely inside part of who we are and so we release ourselves by turning our focus from the outside to the inside and certainly as a meditator you know that this is the the point of meditation is to detach our um, continual outflow of energy that that just keeps us on that treadmill of acquiring the next quote quote fulfillment it's not really it's it's only a temporary hit like a like any addiction It, it feels good for the moment but then we're on to the next thing because it's not lastingly fulfilling And so as we turn our focus from that external um, compulsion to our internal essence, we then tap the essence of our being that is joy. It is peace. It is love. It is these enduring qualities that we are never separate from. We may feel separated because we're not focusing in the right direction, but once we do, we're, it's, we realize that we're absolutely inseparable from these qualities, and that's the source of true fulfillment. No, most definitely. And along that line, you mention in the book, uh, the small self separates us um, from the other and is only self-serving. Um, and because of this, it, it's it, can you tell the listeners how to have more compassion, how to be more inclusive. Uh, Because this small self, that's the one that's always I, 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 I. We could call it the ego. You can call it whatever. Um, What do you do to help your clients through meditation and yoga practices um, overcome that? Yeah, such a big question, Greg. Isn't that just the essence of all of our journeys right there? And if I had the magic button for that one, that would be great. Um, And I think it's just, you know, it's a process. It's It's a practice. And that's why we call our meditation a practice. It's something that we have to come to every single day. Um, with patience and with persistence and with devotion, with an open heart, with the intention of finding um, a a reconnection to the unified self, Um, that's self with a capital S versus the small s self, which is that personality that feels very separated and, and desirous of its own needs and trying to be protective of its own, you know, ways of things. And so, the the process of dropping into a a place where we're just witnessing what that small self is doing every day you know part of the practice of meditation for me is witnessing that small self oh there i am having that that thought of comparison with that other author or oh there i am having this you know moment of envy with this person who has X, Y, or Z that I don't, or, oh, there I am having that thought of fear about uh, you know, my son and whatever he might be doing at college. And, um, you know, it's just recognizing that the small self does all these dances of, of 
separation and 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 fear really they're all uh, what i all i just mentioned are all qualities of fear um and then stepping back from that and recognizing oh but but really i'm just this witness i'm the consciousness that's witnessing that dance of the small self and so let me rest here let me rest in this place of peacefulness that can witness all of that gyration on the outside and not get affected by it. Um, yeah. And, yeah. The meditation allows you to get connected with that and understand that and take a deeper dive into it. And, you know, along that line, you know, you have a love awareness meditation you talk about in the book, you have a breathing love meditation. And obviously through your practices of yoga and meditation, um, you want to help heal and help people find love. Why do you believe that the practices of meditation in particular, which you're a strong advocate of, and a, a yoga meditation will help people to remove the feeling of separation and aloneness? Well, yoga meditation in particular is you know, all meditation is fantastic and has amazing benefits, but yoga meditation in particular has the intention of this reunification of consciousness that I was sort of alluding to a moment ago. Um, you know, the word yoga means union, and it's it's referring to that union of individual consciousness with universal consciousness. Mm -hmm. And so... As that occurs, then we become so much gentler with the experience of being human. We, we just become less judgmental. We become less self-serving. Um, what arises from within, with the recognition of our unity with all other beings, that we're all part of one source energy, this universal consciousness, is we we feel more compassion for everyone around us therefore we're going to choose to be kinder to them even if they present us with a really challenging and not very pleasant external you know egoic kind of attitude we can see beyond that and we can go oh well that's just them operating in their their small self perspective but really their soul is part of the oneness that i'm a part of and so let me try to love that Mm -hmm. Definitely the soul. The soul is longing, and I even write about it in my book as well, to be expressed and I think frequently being repressed um, as a result of, as you call, the the small self or the, the small self that separates. You know, it's interesting, the philosophy around desire, and everybody's got it. Um, and as we say, it's fleeting. Uh, but we got to think our relationship, rethink our relationship with it so that a uh, temptation will not sabotage our journey to true love. And you state that in one of your chapters. How do you help your clients and students see the pitfalls of this short lived satisfaction from desire? And you say that desire is categorized into eight deep, deep longings freedom, power, beauty, wisdom, security, creativity, joy, and love. What do you do to help people uh, on that path where, you know, they they just keep chasing um, small, shiny objects and it's this <laughs> object of desire. They're on to the next and the next and the next and the next. 
Yeah, I think it's it's helping them to recognize that none of those things have brought them lasting happiness. So if you mm-hmm. get them to look back and say, think about what was their you know greatest fantasy that actually came true, and okay, well. And where is the great joy in that now? You know, even if there's still joy attached to it, it's not the same level of joy as when it was first achieved or acquired. So we can, all we have to do really is look back in our personal history and, and kind of track, I wanted this, I got this, I felt this way. Oh, I got, I wanted that. I got that. I felt this way and, and, and see that not anything in the human realm of things has made us continuously happy over time Mm -hmm. Um, and you know everyone has those fluctuations on a daily basis and from the yoga teaching standpoint this is the um, teaching of raga devesa the attachment and aversion where we're constantly moving towards the things that we want and away from things that we don't want and so this keeps us on this roller coaster of of dissatisfaction really Um, and so the the point of balance and the point of peace where we can really rest is in the non-attachment from those external shiny objects, as you call them, which is so great, um, and, and recognizing that there is a much deeper well of, of satisfaction that lives with the soul and that the only way to, to come to that is through deep, deep stillness. I, I would agree with you. And I, I, I'm as you're speaking, I'm reflecting on an interview I just recently did with Rodney Smith called Touching the Infinite, um, a prolific author, but um, Buddhist practices. But that the in that continuum from um, form to formlessness, there is this element of actually um, living with the pain, whatever it may be and not repressing that, right? In other words, not, we have a a tendency um, because we don't want something to move away from it and to push it away versus there's very big lessons to be learned from that. And you speak about in your book, anger and fear, they obstruct love. And then underneath anger sees thwarted desire because we were just talking about that. Can you advise the listeners about how to, I don't want to say remove anger, but um, deal with anger and fear in a different way and replace them with emotions that are positive, such as the emotions of love and compassion. And I think you have a compassion meditation around this, right? Yes. So this teaching is from a wonderful yoga master, Paramahansa Yogananda. Um, And when I first read this about anger being thwarted desire, it was one of those huge aha moments for me because I think anger is one of those, those emotions that we can feel incredibly justified in. You know, people get very righteous about their anger. I have, um, knowing that somehow I was right and the other person was wrong. And, um, and when I recognized through that teaching that, that what was happening was I wasn't getting a certain desire met. Something wasn't going my way. And when I started looking at it that way and then pulling apart what I knew already about how desire, the external desires keep me from happiness, then I had to 
step back again and go, oh, well, then anger being just really recognizing it as that unmet desire is just keeping me in this terrible state of unhappiness. So what do I want to do about that? Well, I would like to come back to my peace. So how do I let go of the anger? Well, you know, some anger, we we should be in a way angry about certain things. There are very unjust things happening, very unkind things happening to people in the world. And it's not to say that we shouldn't move into action to make a positive difference. And I think anger can sometimes be sort of that uh, propelling energy um, towards positive action. But it can only be that if we have a certain level of detachment from it. So anyone who has been angry knows that if you're in the heat of anger, you can really do some terrible things. Um, You can say some terrible things and really act very poorly. Um, So we have to step back from anger just enough to recognize, all right, what's the desire behind it? And then step back from that and go, all right, well, how do I want to work around this towards a positive effect? Does that make sense? Does does that answer your question? Okay. Yeah. I mean, and I think as you give throughout this book, you know, breathing love, you're, you're giving people meditations to do breathing, love, meditation, love, awareness. Um, This one, the compassion meditation, I think it's really important. And to kind of sum up our interview, I want to talk about two things and that's vulnerability and trust. Um, You know, you mentioned that to, open this deep level of trust. And I, I think you uh, also mentioned the Stephen R. Covey book too in that, in that same chapter, um, within our hearts, that it's connected to love. We must choose to believe in the inherent goodness of the soul of each person, regardless of their human imperfections. Um, what are some of the daily practices that you would give to our listeners uh, for being able to develop higher levels of or increased levels of vulnerability and increased levels of trust with another human soul on the planet? This is such a big question, Greg, and and I'm glad you, you know, paired it. The vulnerability and the trust are two sides of the same coin. And so people, if they've been hurt, the first thing they say is, well, I can't trust, you know, somebody else. I don't, I don't trust people or I don't trust love. You know, they'll say that. and. And so it's, again, it's separating what we're trusting. So granted, in the, in the human realm of things, there are people who act in an untrustworthy fashion. There are people who are hurt other people. And so we do have to be discerning and wise and, and have appropriate boundaries so that we don't put ourselves in an injurious situation humanly. But the kind of trust that I'm talking about and the vulnerability that the the ability to be vulnerable that comes from the kind of trust I'm talking about is a trust that is in the divine. It's the trust that we build it with that inner essence of highest self, the, the oneness that universal consciousness that we're all a part of. And when we are connected to that, then we develop an intuitive ability to then know what's the right place for us in the external world. And Mm -hmm. is this a safe person to be with or is that not a safe person to be with at this time? Um, So 
again, it's kind of levels uh, that we have to look at, and this is a, a pretty big discussion. And um, But I think in terms of daily practices, again, it just goes back to meditation. And that's why this theme runs throughout this book is that meditation is the foundation for coming home to this sense of incredible peace and and love that lives within us that builds then the strength to move out into the world in these ways of vulnerability of compassion of kindness even with people who maybe you know we could say don't deserve it because they're not acting kindly back to me but in reality, their soul absolutely deserves it. They need it more than the person who is being kind. And it's our duty as spiritually evolving humans to <clears throat> continue to offer that in the places that it's needed most. Well, you know, in the book, you tell an, a great story to exemplify that. And that's, a, you know, you were at this women's retreat and you were in this awesome place and you went back and had ice cream with your boyfriend and you asked him to be with you. And he said, no, I'm not in a space where I want to do that. I don't want to just sit and hold you tonight. Now, obviously you felt completely rejected. You were completely vulnerable at the time. Um, you know, that story really helps to kind of exemplify what a lot of people go through, but their emotions, as you know, in the moment, it's very challenging to look at that in a different way. How did you look at that in a different way? Yeah. So again, it, it for sure, the emotions of the moment are very challenging. And I had to first hold myself in compassion, like, wow, okay, that really hurt. Here's a person that I thought would, would and could really be here for me in this, in this moment of vulnerability and sharing um, some very uh, painful things that had come up for me during that retreat. But <clears throat> what happened after I kind of acknowledged my own hurts little self was then I, I just, I had to accept that he wasn't in that space. He wasn't available in that way for me. And it forced me to turn inward to that deeper well um, within my own being, where I can connect to the divine essence, I can call upon that higher love that is always around me, always within me, that essence of love that, that I'm a part of, and I can call upon that to comfort me um, and to really hold me that night. And so I just, I went home and I, I sat with that and I sat with God and um, felt very comforted. And it created a, a strengthening in my own being that that was one of those very pivotal moments where I realized, you know, it's fine to ask for things from other people, but don't always expect them to give what you need. So mm -hmm. don't look for that to be your final place of satisfaction. It's got to yeah. come from within. It does. And, you know, we're responsible for those feelings. And you know, it's important for us to remember that. I think sometimes we like to point the finger that somebody else did it to us. And I think more importantly is it's not about them. It's about us. A really hard lesson, um, but it is a, a, a main point. And, you know, this book, Breathing Love, for my listeners, um, Meditation in Action is a great book. It's on a pre-release currently now. 
at Amazon, you can pre-order it. Um, it'll be available January the 8th. So if you go to Amazon and just type in Breathing Love or put in Jenny's name, it's J-E-N-N-I-E Lee, uh, the book will pop up. For those of you who want to get in touch with Jenny and learn more about her online courses, uh, media, retreats, uh, work with her. Uh, as she said, she works with you via Skype. Um, and we'll do a guided meditation as well. Uh, it's Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Lee Yoga, Y-O-G-A, Therapy, T-H-E-R-A-P-Y.com. That's all one. Jenny, any parting words for the listeners? I guess my only parting word, what I hope for everyone is that they will take a moment, just even one moment, maybe after this interview to breathe and drop down away from their thoughts and drop down into their hearts and know that they are love. And that even if they've never felt that before, that to just breathe into that, that concept and to try to feel it because it's true. Uh, we are all love. Well, and it's a great time of the year to be doing this. We're coming up on the end of our year. Everybody's thinking about, you know, what they'd like to get done and their goals. And we're coming into Thanksgiving. So it's an awesome time for people to give gratitude. And that's a great way to do that, actually, is to know that you are loved, that you are love, and that you can give that love out. And especially this time of year, considering all the things our world is going through, we need it more than ever. So. Jenny, thank you so much for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing some of your wisdom and knowledge about uh, yoga and meditation. It's, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you, Greg. It's been a pleasure being here. This podcast is brought to you by Thomas More, the author of a new book entitled Ageless Soul, The Lifelong Journey Toward Meaning and Joy. In podcast number 649, Greg and the author discusses new book which addresses the issues of aging and how to live a fulfilling and meaningful life, even in our later years of life. Ageless Soul teaches readers how to embrace the richness of experience and how to take life on, accept invitations to new vitality, and feel fulfilled as we grow. This book is eloquently written and provides a new perspective on life, no matter what your age. Please enjoy podcast number 649 with author Thomas Moore about Ageless Soul. If you want to learn more about Thomas and his book, please visit www dot thomasmoresoul.com Thank you for listening.